Welcome, everyone, to the Bull Takes Scouting Podcast. It's draft week. It feels like after months of just grinding the tape and everything, it's finally upon us. And at the same time, you feel like it's taken so long to get here, but then you, every year you're also like, wow, it's, it's finally here. So today is the final episode of the podcast before the draft. Of course, we'll be analyzing the draft after the fact. But today we're going to be breaking down our positional rankings and really focusing on where, where we would defer from consensus and where we defer from each other and have a little a couple of scout versus scout conversations on on some uh, debates there. Yeah, so um, like Constance said, we're going to be focusing on mostly where we tend to disagree with each other and where we differ from um, consensus. Um, if you want to see our full positional rankings from – for every player that we scouted, um, that's on our Instagram page. We'll be bringing up our top 12 at each position just for this episode. Um, so I think, you know, without further ado, we can get started. Um, and we'll start off with with quarterbacks. Um, so we're bringing up our quarterback positional rankings. And honestly, Costa, we're really similar um, in our rankings. And that's really surprising. A lot of the past years, we've been off on at least one or two of the top quarterbacks at least a little bit but this year we're basically neck and neck with our both our grades um and our rankings of players all the way until you get down to uh 12 with uh sam ellinger and shane um i can't say his last name but you know um i think that the thing that stands out with our quarterback rankings is mac jones down at number five with a, a third round grade so maybe you can start on why we have him there and I, we just, we talked about this last night, so I'm just going to keep it brief. For me, it's just the lack of, of, of special arm talent or athleticism and just the fact that the, I thought the ball placement was pretty inconsistent. So was the, the pass rush awareness. And so as, as a one-year starter with, with so much talent on his sides, I think he's going to be facing a, a harsh adjustment to the NFL, and the ceiling is not that of the top four quarterbacks in the draft anyway. Yeah, I agree. The, the ball placement for me was the biggest thing. A lot of people um, in draft media say that he's a very accurate passer, and I, I just disagree. Um, I think there's a lot of his, – his completion percentage, if you look at strictly stat-wise, is, is good. But the issue is if you go, break down the tape and watch the tape, there's a lot of plays, at least in my opinion, um, where I see his wide receivers have to adjust to the ball, have to come back for the ball, stop. Um, especially Jalen Waddle, as we know, he's a extremely fast, um, deep threat player, and there are multiple deep and even intermediate balls where I saw Waddle have to slow down, stop his route, or even come back. And he, when he started running the route, he was it was a surefire touchdown. But because of Max' inconsistent ball placement, um, and especially on the deep ball, he would come back and he'd get tackled short of the goal line. Yeah, I agree, and I think we can we can move on to the running back rankings right now. Yeah, so as I pull up um, the running back rankings, is there anything else that you know you just want to bring up about the QB rankings? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a while since we really touched on the QB two debate. Uh, I, I just think that Zach Wilson really solidified himself over Justin Fields, and it's not that we dislike Justin Fields. We we both think that they're they're surefire franchise quarterbacks at the next level is just when you watch the, the 2020 tape, Zach Wilson is just farther along in his development as a quarterback than Justin Fields, in my opinion. I think he's got, he's got a lot of athleticism, arm strength, and especially improvisational ability, but it's really just the, the really consistent ball placement, decision-making 
etc where he he's he's a step above uh justin fields right now yeah i agree i'm not going to reiterate what you said um but i think he's a he's a stellar prospect his tape was near perfect in 2020 um and i i think people try to hate on him because you know he didn't play the top level of competition um but it just the tape speaks for itself regardless of the level of competition he could fit the ball into tight windows he has really good arm talent um some people say he doesn't have elite arm strength i beg to differ i think he he doesn't have the mahomes josh allen arm strength but it's really good i think he can throw a 60 yard ball down the field um and i i think he'll be those top three guys i really think will be um really good quarterbacks at the next level so moving on to our running back rankings now um oh our running back rankings went away hold on well you can just start talking about the guys that we have at the top um, for the running back rankings as I pull them up again. Yeah, you'll see that we really see eye to eye on the running back, similar to the, the quarterbacks. We've got the same top three with Harris and ETN and then Javante Williams. And we really like that top three. I think Harris is just a future pro baller for sure. I just had the, the tough physical interior uh, running, but also the shiftiness he possesses. And then the really good ability as a, as a, re- as a receiver is impressive. And Travis Etienne, really a dynamic slashing running back with Alvin Kamara-like potential. And Javante Williams is really a great combination of quickness and contact balance. So those three guys that can really be feature backs at the next level. And then you've got a couple other guys who can really be like more like 1B options, Michael Carter and Trey Sermon and Kenneth Gainwell. But you can see that we really agree on on these running back rankings. So I don't, I don't think we'll stick on this too long. Yeah, I think once you get past the top six for us, it does start to differ a little bit. Um, I know Hubbard from Oklahoma State was a guy that people liked coming into the 2020 season. He had a down year. Um, and I, I really see, you know, maybe a 1B guy at best. Um, I don't think he's going to be a, a, um, a, a top ball carrier in the league. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I don't think there's too much to talk, touch on when it comes to the running back rankings. Now, moving on to our wide receiver rankings, we – uh, agree with Jamar Chase at one, um, and I think that's kind of the consensus around the NFL. Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in this draft. He's the best wide receiver in the past couple drafts at least um, from the ones I've scouted. We differ at two, though, with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. although we do have the same grade um, on both Smith and Waddle, We have 1.4 and 1.4. I have Waddle above Smith, and you have Smith above Waddle. So maybe you can touch on why you have Smith there, and then I'll touch on why I have Waddle. Yeah, same grade, but really makes a big difference because I think there'll be a couple teams, or at least definitely one team, maybe the Miami Dolphins, that's going to end up having to pick between them. So, I mean, it makes all the difference who you have ranked against, uh, above the other. And for me, I, I, I know what you're going to say about Jalen Waddle. I, he's got a fantastic combination of of – speed and explosiveness and shiftiness the whole athletic profile he's not just that straight line guy like henry ruggs kind of is he really just has all the fluidity and 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 hip hip uh change of direction etc and he really came on in the first four games of 2020 before getting hurt and showed development in his route running contested catchability and that that gives you confidence that he's going to be able to be that complete receiver and that dynamic thread that isn't one dimensional at the next level, which is why I have the 1.4 on him. That being said, Devontae Smith, man, I, we just got the full year of him just shredding apart defenses and he's just a football player. Like he's not the biggest, 
he's not the most athletic. He's still very athletic, but he's 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 just a, extremely well rounded and a great football player. He really good route running, great acceleration, good enough deep speed, uh, a lot a lot of toughness because he'll go up and uh, and get the contested catch. Amazing leaping ability to do so. So and his, and the length that he has too. He might not be big, but the catch radius is insane. So for me, it's. I think Jalen Waddle is just a little riskier because it's a small sample size of of that elite play that gives you confidence in him being a, a superstar at the next level. And for Devontae Smith, it's like I just don't have any doubt in my mind. I I, I don't care about the size. He he's he's tough. He plays throughout contact. He's he was durable throughout his time at Alabama. He's not quite as as good as Jamar Chase in my opinion, but I I, I have him as my as my number two over Waddle for those reasons. Yeah, so I'm not really going to touch on much of Waddle's um, talent from a scouting report perspective. You kind of touched on that already. But the, some of the reasons I do have Waddle over Smith, you know, I understand what you said about only a four-game sample size, and, you know, that that's when Smith had the whole year. Um, but Waddle was also really good in 2019, and people seem to forget that both these guys were really good in 2019, and it just happened that they'll be – at least four first-round picks at wide receiver um, from that 2019 uh, Alabama um, offense. So I'm not too worried about the risk of, oh, he only really showed up for four games. I think he showed all his skills and all his talents in 2019. It just wasn't front and center because they had the two guys, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs there. Um, For me, Waddle, I I think Smith is – a you could make the argument that he might be a little bit better with the ball in his hands in space, but I think that Waddle is almost the same um, as Smith. And what it came down to for me was I think Waddle has um, more, he he's going to fit into more offenses. In my opinion, I feel like Smith, you might have to base a scheme around him a little bit more just due to, you know, his size weighing in at 166. That was also a little, uh, another reason why I have him beneath Waddle. I got I got to disagree, man. I think if you're playing football, he fits into your team. Uh, he's just he he's he can adapt to whatever your offensive scheme is. He can run whatever route you ask him to run. He can he'll go up against whatever corner you ask him to go up against. I don't have any concerns in terms of how many teams does he does he fit into. Well, I, I've probably said that incorrectly. I think he would fit into all 32 teams' offense. I think, but with with him, I think. If, if you watched at Alabama, a lot of his touches were scheme touches. And I think with Waddle, you don't have to scheme touches as much or like manufacture touches. I think you'd have to do that more for Smith than Waddle. Um, and I'd rather have a guy that I say, okay, I don't have to manufacture 10 touches for him a game. I can just say, you know, go run this route um, and you'll get open and you'll get the ball. I'm not saying that Smith can't do that because he can. I just think Waddle could do that better than Smith. And uh, along with his speed, for me, uh, those were the two main reasons why I have Waddle above Smith. I think I think Waddle did that better than Smith for four games of his college career. Because I think in 2019, you're saying Waddle is good, but Waddle just he, – his, his, both his route running and his contested catch ability were just not the level that we saw in those four games in 2020. I think Smith was the better receiver in 2019. And, and so for me, it's just – it is that really small sample size – of Waddle being better than Smith. And for me, Smith's just played the whole year, d- demolished everyone. And yeah, there were a lot of manufactured touches and Steve Sarkeesian's brilliant play calling 
uh, gave him a boost in production, but he still would have been in- immensely productive without it. And if you just never manufacture any touches for him, he'll still be dominant because he can he can set up any defensive back on on any route. But I mean, I, I think that unless you have anything else to say, that that kind of shakes out our our debate on the wide receiver too. And if you look after that, we really do have almost the identical. Uh, picks with actually num- numbers four through nine being being the same because it's it, but it, in general it's a really deep wide receiver class and, and the, the amount of guys there that we have second round grades on after having four or five first round uh talents is really tells you how good this wide receiver class is yeah like you said it's a great wide receiver class um, i think you know some other guys names that we can bring up rashad bateman we talked about him last night about being a possible surprise uh first round pick um he's a guy that we've been high on pretty much the whole process it seemed to me like he kind of you know tapered off uh for most of the draft season and he was kind of more thought of as a second round pick we have him solidly in the first round conversation um i know you you like him a little bit more than i do um so what were some of the things that you saw in bateman while everyone else was saying he was a second round uh receiver well i just i don't think he has the incredible explosiveness and speed that some of the other guys in this class have but he is one of the best route runners in the class, and he's he's really physical. Not not the absolute biggest, but still decent size and great physicality. Where he'll just bully the opposing uh, cornerback. And when I when I just, and he's got he's got more than enough athleticism. It's not amazing, but it's it's definitely uh, good enough. And so I just I see that ability to separate on an elite level, and that's what translates to the NFL at the end of the day with with the route running and physical handwork that he has. And, and definitely enough of an athletic profile. He gets open consistently, and I think that'll happen in the NFL. So he could be a guy where maybe he's the fifth, sixth wide receiver taken, and you're like, well, the one or two guys above him just didn't turn out nearly as good, even if they, they have good careers. I just think Rashad Bateman has, like, true pro ball potential. Yeah, I agree. Um, and route running are, you know, really special combination. Like you said, he doesn't have the explosiveness, but that's that's because he's a bigger wide receiver um, than the other three guys that we have ahead of him. Um, and I think now um, we can move on to our tight end yep. rankings. Um, and our tight end rankings, uh, we have the same guy at the top along with everyone else uh, that, that scouted the 2020 class. Um, a 2021 class at all, and that's Kyle Pitts. And he, he's just, my he's my number one non QB. Is he yours? Yes. Yeah. He's he's been since I um, since I watched him the first time around. He just he popped off the screen. I mean, I I don't we don't need to talk about oh, yeah, him too I don't much think because I think everybody can read about him and hear what everyone else has to say. I think the conversation for our tight end rankings though comes down to our our tight end two, which we Tommy Tremble for me and Brevin Jordan for you. So for me, um, what put Tommy Tremble ahead of um, Brevin Jordan was, one, his, his blocking. I'm going to say that he's the best blocking tight end in this class. Um, a lot of people might make the argument that a guy like Freemuth is a better blocking tight end. I disagree, and we'll touch on him in a second. Um, but his blocking, he can block on the line. He can block split out wide and wide receivers. He can block defensive linemen. He can line up in the backfield as like an H-back. Um, and go be a lead blocker. So to me, that's just that's talent that you're not going to teach that. Um, he just has that ability. He's extremely strong, um, and his his route running ability 
is raw, but he's really athletic and it just wasn't tapped into at Notre Dame. I think one, they had tight ends ahead of them like Cole Komet and Michael Myers. Um, and they, at least Notre Dame thought they were more talented. Michael Myers was a five-star recruit. Um, but it was like um, Tommy Trumbull could block, so we'll use you to block and we'll use another tight end to receive the ball, where I think they could have said, we'll use you to block and go catch the ball. Um, and I talked about Tommy Trumbull uh, last week in our, our guys podcast, so I'm not going to touch on him too much more. Um, but maybe you can give why you have Brevin Jordan ahead of Tommy Trumbull. Yeah, I just think that uh, I don't I don't really want to argue against Tommy Tremble because I mean, the 3.1 speaks for itself, especially for a guy who has such little receiving production. Uh, I, I really think that he can be a much better NFL player than a college player because he has all the traits that, that you're looking for. First of all, an elite blocker. We know that. But when you do see him running routes there, he's really athletic. They're really fluid. They're crisp. He's got soft hands. He's a big target. So, so much potential there. I just think that uh, Brevin Jordan just got a lot more experience as as a pass catcher. So, I mean, I think that's what it came down to for me because I think Jordan's not as good a blocker. Definitely not. But he's still a good blocker. He's got the, he's got size, athleticism, length, effort. You got to clean up the technique. But when you have all those things, there's definitely a lot of potential there. And as and he's just – he's a really athletic target. He could probably get more nuance in his in his route running. But with, with that size, athleticism, and – and those hands, I, I I really like him as as a receiving a tight end. So really, just on in both phases of the game, I think he's well above average, and that projects well to the NFL. But today, I did find out that he interviewed kind of poorly uh, with with uh, in team meetings, which which bothers me. I'm I'm a big guy on on all the things that are character, work ethic, interviews, and all that. So I I mean I'm not I'm not going back and changing anything now because these we posted these and these are final and everything, but. I probably would have reconsidered Jordan versus Tremble if I had that information firsthand. So, but that's that's the explanation for why, like strictly on tape, I have Jordan ahead of Tremble. And I think now we can hop into why Pat Fryermuth, who is the number two tight end for a lot of people, is our number four. So, how did you come to that decision? So, to me, when I watched this tape, um, I just I kind of, you know, assumed that oh, he's the tight end two in this draft class. Um, he's he's probably I would assume that he's a good receiver, but to me, he's not. I don't think he's going to be a good receiver at the next level. Um, sure, he has reliable hands, but um, I, I don't think that he's a really good route runner. He kind of lacks that athleticism that you want to see in today's modern tight end. Um, and I said, okay, well, if he's not a good receiver, maybe he'll at least be a really good blocker. And he's a good blocker, but not a great blocker. I think he can get pushed around a little bit at times. Um, and it just, his tape was kind of disappointing. Um, and I, he wasn't a highly touted tight end anywhere close to Pitts, but I still expected a lot more than I saw um, on film for for Pat Frymuth. Yeah, for I think he's he's a good blocker. He's just he's just not dynamic. I think we we see uh, that some really impressive athleticism from both Jordan and Trumbull, which gives him such great upside in the receiving game. I think Frymuth is just going to be. Just a, like a like a check down option or run short shallow routes in the five to ten yard range because he's just he's not going to separate at an elite level. He's just not that type of athlete. So he's he's a guy who might have been better college tight end than NFL tight end. I think he might maybe a middle of the road NFL tight end. I think his ceiling is really capped, and that's what keeps him behind Jordan and Trumbull for me because I think those two have way more upside. Yeah, and yeah. I think if you, if you look at the three tight ends that we have ahead of him, those guys can all be dynamic receivers. Um, as well as good to very good blockers. 
Um, and Freemuth, he kind of his potential's capped, like you said, probably a five to ten yard route guy. I think Pitts, Tremble, and Jordan can all run 25, 30 yard routes down the field. They have they, the can, they can all completely stretch the, the field, and yeah, and the route running to do so. So I think that was a that was a great point that he he might be a reliable receiver in the five to ten yard range, but at this point in today's NFL, that's not what you're looking for um, from a tight end. You're looking for a guy that can block and really stretch the field. For, for a top-tier tight end, I, I agree with you. I think Freemuth could be a good middle-of-the-road, you know, fringe top-10 tight end because, it, really, if you look at the NFL, there's not a lot of super talented tight ends in the league. You have the guys at the top, Kelsey and Kittle, and then other than that, I'd say there's a major drop-off, and I think Pitts will be right up there with Kelsey and Kittle within the next two years. Yeah, I, th- I think we can move on to the offensive tackle uh, rankings for in the interest of time and You'll put them up in a second, but uh, we, we really did agree a lot on this position. We have Panay Sewell first and Rashawn Slater and Christian Darison. You, you have that first round grade on Tevin Jenkins, and I have that 2.0, but at the end of the day, that's still pretty similar. So, so it's definitely a solid crop of offensive tackles. Is there anything you want to say before we move on to the next position? Um, I think uh, I just, just will touch on quickly why I have Tevin Jenkins with a first round, a late first round grade. Um, and after you know we put this up and and graded uh put this up on our instagram page it did i did see some reports that some people are concerned about his character so that might have dropped him down to maybe a 1.9 for me but i there were conflicting reports um but for me it was really his nastiness as a blocker um i think he could he's just dominant with you know he can put his hands on guys and run them to the ground there's you see a ton of pancakes on blocks and are on tape, and that's what I really like to see um, when I'm watching offensive linemen. So I think for a guy that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the greatest technique right now, I think you can still coach it and improve it. But for the amount of pancakes I saw on tape, they just, along with everything else to me, that warranted a, a late first-round pick. Yeah, I just want to point out, I think that this is a, a previous version of our offensive tackle rankings. I know the final one that we posted, I have Brady Christensen over James Hudson. Uh, but um, that that's that's just a minor detail. And yeah, Jenkins, I, I do really like him also. I just think that, that what kept him out of the first round for me is I, I think he'll be beat on the edge by some of these talented NFL edge rushers sometimes because he doesn't get enough depth on his pass drops for me between uh, the lack of length and lack of elite athleticism. I think he'll, he'll, he'll uh, concede a few uh, battles on the edge, which he at the end of the day, he'll still be a really solid tackle for me, probably on the right side of the offensive line. But it's definitely a really good crop of offensive linemen overall. And and it's rare to see some tackles that I think are going to be good starters come out of day two just because teams push up offensive tackles on their draft board because it's just such a need around the league perennially. And this year, there's actually good depth at the position. Yeah, I think the last thing that, I'll just mention as we're bringing up the interior offensive line is uh, going back to Jenkins for a second. I think he's a guy that could move inside as well to guard. Um, we have him listed as a tackle because I think he'll be drafted as a tackle. But if he really struggles on the edge, I think a move inside could be warranted. And I think he'll be a really good um, guard as well. So now with our interior offensive line rankings. Yeah, I, I do. I do first want to say that I think that there's there's several tackles that could end up moving to guard, which just reinforces how strong this interior offensive line class is, as you can see with the grades that we have on these guys. Because I think guys like Liam Eichenberg, along with Tevin Jenkins and 
Uh, I think there's a couple others. Can't really remember off the top of my head, but there, there, I think a few uh, Jackson Carmen's one of them. A few guys can move into guard and just make this an even stronger interior offensive line class. Redondo. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking about. Um, so with our interior offensive line class, obviously Vera Tucker at the top, who, who was a tackle last year. Um, so, you know, speaking about tackles moving into guard, but in 2019, he played guard and he played, he played really well in both, uh, both years. I, I just think his, his length and, or his lack of length, um, is kind of what are moving people, making him move back inside a guard. And I think he'll be a, a pro bowl caliber guard. Um, where the differential comes is I have Humphrey as my, um, second interior offensive lineman you have Myers so maybe if you want to touch on why you have Myers ahead of Humphrey yeah I, I just think that everything you can't coach Josh Myers is a little better than Creed Humphrey uh, he, he's I think he's bigger he's more athletic he's longer and it's not it's not that Creed Humphrey is deficient in any of these areas I think that the combination of physical and athletic traits is elite for Josh Myers. And I'm surprised that throughout this draft process, he hasn't really received any hype because it's not like his technique is poor. I think Creed Humphreys is better, but, uh, and Josh Myers could, could get better in that area, but he's, it's, it's good right now. And with all of the, the athleticism and power size that he possesses, I think he has pro bowl potential. If he does improve a couple technical glitches he has, I know his, his hands can get a little wide sometimes, which gives up his chest. And that's something you need to correct as an offensive lineman. But I mean, the baseline is surely there. And he's, I mean, he put out some dominant tape. Like you, you see some of those holes that Trey Sermon ran through at the end of the season. And Josh Myers is completely moving his guy out of the run lane, five to 10 yards downfield every single time. So he's, he was a large part of the, the success that that running game had and the, and the offense as a whole. I just don't get why he's not getting that hype. And I mean, all due respect to Creed Humphrey, I think Creed Humphrey is going to be a really good center in the NFL. And that's why I have a high second round grade on him. I just think Josh Myers is an even better player. Yeah. So I think for me, Creed Humphrey's, um, I think his athleticism is, is pretty close to Myers. You say that Myers has really good athleticism. I saw a little struggles when he was getting to the second level at times. Um, so for me, I, I thought their athleticism was, more comparable. I think Myers is more athletic um, than Humphrey, but to me, it wasn't um, something to drop Humphreys below Myers for. Um, but for me, the biggest thing, and you you brought it up, how Humphreys is more technically refined um, than Myers. I think from day one, Humphrey will be better. And I, I think that they might become equal players at the NFL level. Um, but for me, Humphrey's zone blocking skills were were really good. Um, as you watch this tape, he showed a great ability to, to reach block nose tackles that were even a, a full man down on the line. So that would mean guys that were head up on the guard. And that's that's something that's really hard to do. And you don't see, as uh, even though it's the NFL level, you don't see a ton of guys at the NFL level able to do that as well um, as I saw Humphreys do it. Um, last year at Oklahoma. So to me, his, his ability in zone blocking his technique were kind of what, what bumped him ahead of Myers for me. But I mean, I still have a 2.1 on Myers and that seems to be a lot higher than what a lot of other people have. So I think we both agree that both Myers and Humphreys will be really good starting centers at the next level. Yeah, and I do think that that the NFL has what we have on on Creed Humphrey. I think he's a, he's a late first, early second round guy come uh, the weekend and, and, and the NFL draft. And 
I do also just want to say that Wyatt Davis is probably going to be one of the biggest steals of this draft, in my opinion. I think it, it, the injury that he sustained at the end of the season has knocked him, has knocked him down boards, and it's looking like he'll be he might be available in the third round. And for me, I think you're getting such good value if you get him anywhere, and really anywhere outside the first round is terrific value. So definitely a really good interior offensive line class. Headline at the top by Elijah Vera Tucker, who we both think it can really be a pro baller in the NFL. Yeah, and the holes that uh, Trey Sermon had to run through at Ohio State. I mean, Wyatt Davis was right next to Josh Myers. So yeah, exactly. Josh it was, it was both was clearing one side of the hole. Wyatt Davis was usually the guy clearing the other side. And those holes were Absolutely. massive. You could drive a truck through those. Um, but I think, you know, we can move on from our, mm-hmm. our offensive lines now. And we'll, we'll move on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, and we'll start off with defensive tackles. Um, so I – I think it's a, a really weak defensive tackle class, in my opinion. I don't think either of us have a guy um, with a first-round grade. You, you were back on Barmore. But, you know, we pretty much agree for the most part um, on the talent of the defensive tackle class. I think a guy that, in my opinion at least, the NFL seems to be pretty low on is, is Twyman from Pittsburgh. I know he, he opted out of 2020. But he, you could, he worked at, with Aaron Donald. Um, they both are from Pittsburgh, obviously. And you can see some of that in this game. I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald at all, but you can see some of the some of the pass rush moves that Aaron Donald uses. Um, Twyman also uses. He's a smaller guy, but I think that he has some some pretty good potential at the next level. Yeah, and I think that really it's it's not it it's not a terrible defensive tackle class once you get outside of day one. I think it's this is probably the normal level. If anything, there's actually a decent amount of guys with day two grades, as you can see on, on the graphic, but it's just, it's so rare to see a defensive tackle class where there really, in our opinion, isn't a first round talent. I had Barmore at a 1.9 and I found out that he's got some, some character and makeup concerns. So I dropped him to 2.1, but he, and he's kind of a boomer bust guy as a result, so especially considering his really inconsistent play where sometimes he's, he's a world beater as we saw in the, the college football playoff. And sometimes he just isn't really a factor in the game. I think another thing is we have Davion Nixon kind of higher than than other people. And I like Levi on Wizzarica. I have a 2.5 on him, but he seems to be the consensus second defensive tackle. And we have Nixon, who I, I just think has really good athleticism. And his instincts are are pretty advanced for, for uh, his uh, level of experience. So I think he's got he's got some potential. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, really he hasn't. put everything together yet. But I think, you know, with the right coaching and some patience, I think he could be a really – really good defensive tackle. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him looking back a few years from now as the best defensive tackle from this class. Mm-hmm. So now we'll just keep it moving and we'll move on to our edge rushers. Um, and, you know, we've brought this up multiple times. People are hating on this edge rush class. Both of us disagree. I think it's a yep. really strong edge rush class with, with um, a lot of depth to it. Um, so, we, we pretty much agree at the, the top three guys. Um, we have almost identical grades. You have pay a little bit higher than I do, so maybe you can spend a few seconds and touch on why you have pay as a 1.2. Yeah, pay pay is just like my, my big man crusher in this draft, I think, as we know by now. He's just terrific 
burst uh, off the edge and bend to get around the quarterback, a, a really good compact build. In 2020, we saw a, a decent development of pass rush moves. He'll have to keep working on that, but I mean, he's definitely pointing in the upwards direction. And then an incredible effort too, where you, you see him late in the rep, just use those athletic traits to get to the quarterback. If he hasn't already, he's, he's really active in pursuit. He gets the, gets the tracks down the, the ball carrier and, He's, he's a great story as well. I don't think we've ever touched on that, but he was, he was born in a Liberian refugee camp and his, his, uh, I think his grandpa got uh, murdered in, in the, in, in the civil war that was going on at the time there. And so he had to move to, to America with his, with his mom when he was uh, really young and, and they, they, they struggled for a little bit. I know she had to work like two or three jobs when he was in high school, just for him to be able to, to play at, at whatever uh, private school he was at so he could get the attention to go to college. And he made that promise that, if she's if she's working these jobs for him to go to that high school, he'd be getting a D1 scholarship, which he did. And I mean, he's right on the verge of being able to fulfill this NFL dream and take care of everyone in his family after everything they've been through. So it's everyone like says that the character's off the charts. And I mean, it checks out with that story. And so I have no doubt that he's going to go into the NFL. And when you've got a guy that, that has such amazing physical and athletic traits and also the effort on the field and the character and work ethic off the field, it, 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 I, th- I see I see a future pro baller and I, I don't I think that so many people are underestimating him and he could really be a surprise as a guy who who's maybe gets picked in the teens and then it's like how is he not a top 10 pick because I mean nobody has I don't think anybody has a top 10 grade on him except for me from what I've heard and he's just he's definitely one of the guys I'm highest on in, in this class yes yeah, so I think looking at this edge rusher edge rusher um I think the the one thing that might stand out was I have Ronnie Perkins with a 2.3 and you have a 3.1 on him. And I'm not going to talk too much about that because he's another guy that um, I, we, I talked about last week. Um, but to me, the, the, the reasons why I gave him a high first or high second round grade was I think he's, he's really an all around player. Um, I, I think he's really good versus the, the run and the pass. Um, he, he displays great, great play strength. He's explosive off the ball. Um, he shows a great ability to convert um, his, his explosiveness and his speed into, into power and just drive guys back. Um, so I, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of people with a, a, a super high second round grade. I think the consensus is more mid second um, to, to early third where you have them. Um, but I think other than that, that's kind of where our differences lie um, in the edge rusher class. Anything else you want to say about that? Yeah, I, th- I think I'll, also the, the Joe Tryon is a guy that the NFL certainly knows his abilities. And I think the general public really might not. He opted out in 2020 and he's pretty raw. So, I mean, I think it, he, there's a wide range of, of how good he could be in the, in the NFL. But he has, he has great physical and athletic traits where the top end burst and bend off the edge and, and speed. And so he's definitely a really nice moldable piece of clay that, that you could turn into a, a high-level edge rusher. And, I mean, I think we should – we should touch on Gregory Russo because he's a guy who got so much hype because of his extremely productive 2019 season, opted out despite that season being his only one in college. So now he's coming off only one year of playing college football and he opted out and his pro day was, was not that good. So it, it, it's really a difficult evaluation. And I think that people are kind of seeing him as a boomer bust prospect. I don't think he is. I think it's it's most likely that he'll be a good NFL starter, not elite, not bad. I, I don't see the. I don't think it's it's boomer bust. He can certainly be in the middle because I think that he's got really good uh, length, decent strength, and uh, 
uh, he clearly knows that he has, he has a knack for getting to the quarterback. I mean, I think that translates to a certain extent, even if he doesn't have great bend off the edge or great pass rushing moves, and he certainly needs to improve in those areas. I think he'd still be a decently productive player in the NFL. Yeah, I think part of the reason why he was ranked so highly or thought of as a possible top 10 pick coming into the 2020 season was obviously, like you said, he's got great physical size. He's 6'7", um, so he's got great length, and I think obviously the really high sack number. And he he looked like he had good athletic traits on film. Obviously, they those didn't translate to his testing numbers. Um, I, I'm not going to talk about him too much because you, I thought you kind of hit the nail on the head with him. But I, I think after kind of going back and watching the tape, people said, oh, sure, he had a ton of sacks, but not all of them were, you know, sacks within the first two, three seconds of the play. I thought a good amount of them were what you'd call coverage sacks, where the quarterback was hanging onto the ball for four, five, even six seconds. Um, on, I think on at least two of them I saw and it was more of, well, nobody's open. The quarterback's hanging on to the ball. Somebody's got to get to the quarterback, and Rousseau was that guy. And I, that is a knock, but it's also not at the same time because he still is able to get to the quarterback. It might not be as quickly every single time as you would like, but he still displays that knack of getting to the quarterback and bringing them down, which a lot of guys in the NFL can get to the quarterback, but then it seems like, some guys hit the quarterback, disrupt the quarterback, but never actually get that sack. So I still think it's a good trait for him. I just think he was probably hyped up a little bit more than he should have been. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's several other guys I would love to talk about on this list, but in the interest of time, I think I think we've got to move on to the, to the linebackers, which it's a really interesting class at the top. If you you look at what Alex is about to put up, we we've got Micah Parsons as our first linebacker and. Let's just talk about him for a second because it seems like he's he's almost like a polarizing prospect. And I think that he might not be quite as good on the field as he's hyped up to be. I mean, he's got great size and athleticism, and he he will be extremely disruptive as, an, as a pass rusher, which is so valuable coming from the second level uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I think he gets glued on blocks a little too often. And I think that his he's pretty inexperienced in coverage, and you kind of you have to build that up. So Right now, I, I do I, I think he can come in and be really good, but whether or not he actually becomes a pro baller will be dependent on that. And then there's some character concerns where I'm going to say I think they're a little bit overblown. Uh, I think that yeah, it's there's been a lot of reports of immaturity and hazing teammates and bullying and, and, and stuff like that. And obviously, that's not any, having a fight with, with a teammate in the library over like spilled Gatorade on a computer. That's not anything you want to you want to hear, but. And I take that guy over the guy who's been who's been said to not have a good work ethic or, or something like that. So I think that I've also seen things that, that indicate that Michael Parsons probably has grown up and he's not the same guy in terms of maturity as he was two years ago when some of these incidents happened. So I still think that he can be the best linebacker in this class and play to those abilities. And is there anything you want to say about Parsons before we move on to the, the next guy on our on our list, David Collins? I, I think we could just move on. You kind of said what I was going to say about Parsons, but, you know, the character concerns I, I don't think are a big issue. I think, you know, maybe hazing teammates in the locker room, you know, maybe not the, the best thing to do, but I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen in any football locker room regardless of, of level. Uh, I think we can move on to a guy that we both have as our second linebacker, and it, it seems to surprise a lot of people. Zaven Collins, a linebacker from Tulsa. And for me, 
it, just the first time I turned on to on his tape, I was like, wow, this guy is huge, but he can move. I mean, he he played the season, I think, around 260, um, and he moved like he was 240. Um, I, I think he has an insane size-speed combination, and I think in this this NFL, that's huge because you want a guy that can move, that can you know run, get sideline to sideline, but that can also you know stand up blockers and stand up running backs up through the hole. And a guy that's 260, 265 can really do that. Yeah, he might actually have the best size uh, speed combination in the draft. It's, it's crazy how he can move at the, at the huge size that he has, and I think he's he's really good against the run, where he really physical, hard tackler can can cover sideline can get sideline to sideline to make plays and I just I think the one thing holding me back on him is that he I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you can really just line up one-on-one in man coverage you just he obviously as big as he is even if he's really athletic for that size he's not he's not that shifty or, or that fluid as some of these smaller linebackers who can take on running backs and tight ends one-on-one but I mean he's got he's a really good pass rusher so you can definitely keep him on the field and uh on passing downs uh if, if you're using him as a pass rusher and zone defense, he can be a good like overhang a uh, defender uh, like 10 yards deep. So I, I think that there it's not like it's not a, he's not a guy you have to take off the field on third down. He's just you're probably not lining him up on, on man, in man coverage, but he could be extremely dis- disruptive and productive uh, in the NFL. And that's why he's our he's our second guy. Yeah, I like that you brought up that, you know, he's not going to be able to cover guys one on one. And, you know, he's not we're not going to say that he is. He's. 260, 265 pounds. He's not going to be able to cover a running back that weighs maybe 212, 215. Yeah. You know, that's just not going to happen. And obviously that that's man coverage. I think he does a really good job in zone coverage, like you said, out in the flats 10, 12 yards deep. I think he can cover that area really well. And he's got really good speed for his size as well, like we already mentioned. So he can cover that area, you know. So I, I don't have any any – um, worries about him in zone coverage and like you said he's not a guy that you're going to have to take off the field and on third down because either a you can run a zone defense or b if you want to run man you can have him blitz um and he'll he's really disruptive like you said as as a pass rusher so i think he really fits into all three facets facets of the linebacker game really well um so i i think i don't think we need to talk too much more about him um i think a guy that we're both really high on that, you know, the NFL might not be as high on his Chas Surratt. Um, we did talk about him uh, two podcasts ago. So, but just, you know, again, with Chas Surratt, I think it's the upside. Um, he played quarterback. He, or he he went to North Carolina playing quarterback, tr- uh, switched over to linebacker, and has only been playing linebacker for two years. Um, and I think, you know, you, you see – insane upside and the the brain that he has and his ability to diagnose plays and and just just go and he knows where the plays are going I think that really speaks to the fact that he he has a really good concept of offenses and I think that's due to the fact that he was a quarterback um any other linebackers that you want to touch on uh, no, I think that you said it was Surratt, and I have a scouting report up on, on our page, so if you want to go look at him in detail and why we're so high on him, you, you can go do that, and Jamin Davis is really right behind him. I see why the NFL is, is really all over him, and he might be a first-round pick because he just he really has really good athleticism to cover sideline to sideline, but I think I think we can move on to, to the cornerbacks. I think maybe one guy that you may want to spend a few seconds on really quickly is Monty Rice. I think 
he's a guy that you have pretty high um, in accordance with consensus. I have a fourth round grade, and I think that's kind of sounding like where he's going to go fourth round, maybe late third. Um, but you have a, a mid second round grade on him, so maybe you can just touch on that quickly. Yeah, and I'm actually more interested in hearing what you have to say because I just I don't get what make, what makes him not a starter in the NFL. I think he checks all the boxes. He's not spectacular at anything, and he, he I mean his upside isn't through the roof. But I think he's going to be a solid starter. I, I, he's a really safe pick. Good enough athleticism, good enough size, good enough strength, good enough football intelligence. I mean, he, he's he's above average in almost every aspect of, of playing linebacker. I mean, so to me, honestly, this is kind of just comes down to us seeing different things on tape. Because um, I, I, I don't really agree. Um, I think that there were a lot of times where I felt like at least he would struggle to read um, plays and he would take some time to diagnose plays and, you know, go fill the run or drop into pass coverage. And to me, that's huge um, when watching linebackers. I want to see you make the decision one, two steps like that. Um, and to me, a lot of the times he, he wasn't making that within his first or second read step. Um, so to me, that kind of puts him at, you know, maybe a developmental linebacker, uh, a guy that could be a really, really solid backup and maybe develop into a starter at the next level. But that was the biggest issue for me for what I saw. And then again, film is film is subjective um, at times. Well, I, I don't I don't think he was making reads any any slower than than some of the guys you have above him, like like Browning or Cox or Moses. Well, I mean, th- that's just what I saw on tape. To me, I did feel like that he hmm. was um, making reads slower. I saw a lot of the times it would take three to four read steps. Um, but again, that's that's kind of how film works sometimes, and that's it's just what it is. It's subjective and. If, if film wasn't subjective, then everybody would have the same rankings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's two things. Like, sometimes it's, you see similar things, you just interpret it differently. Like, I think we saw the same things with Waddle and Smith, just different interpretation on who to rank higher. And then sometimes it is that you just see different things, like like with Davis. And I think we can move on to the cornerbacks now. Or not Davis, I meant Rice. Yeah, so yes. we're just getting down to the end here. We'll have cornerbacks and then safeties. Um, and something I want to touch on, as we're bringing up uh, the cornerback rankings. Uh, oh, I'd say about a month ago, was it, when we had our conversation about um, Farley and Sertan? And I took Farley, you took Sertan. Um, but then some stuff came out about Farley's back and he had back surgery. Doing a little bit of research into that, I, you know, it was something that he did have flare up before. So I'm just concerned about him having it flare up again uh, at the NFL level. So that is why I, I dropped him below Sertan. Before the back surgery, I had Farley at a 1.3 and Sertan at 1.4. Um, so the this back surgery and that just dropped him down a, a tenth of a point for me. Yeah, Far, Farley is tough, man. Like I I I, I like the 1.5 I have on him because I think he's he's got incredible size, speed, quickness, fluidity, instincts ball skills like he just he checks every single box to be an extremely high level man coverage corner and that that's what makes you one of the best corners in the, in the NFL he has that upside but yeah he, he won't have played football in over 500 days because he opted out in 2020 and he's had back problems that took him out the last two games of 2019 had to have a surgery right now and I mean no back surgery is minor like these are things that can keep popping back up so he's really tough and it's, it's for reasons that aren't like when you watch his 2019 tape, you just you want to put a really high grade on him. And I think that at the end of the day, I, I'll take that leap of faith because the, the upside he presents is, is through the roof. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think we we both have similar grades on him. And I think he's a guy that's going to get drafted lower than the grades we have. So I think we both will give whichever team ends up drafting him. I think we'll end up giving them a really good um, a good grade on on that draft pick because mm-hmm. you know the the back thing it's it's an issue. Um, it's not something that you really want to see a player have, but also it's not like he's going to tear an ACL every year. Um, if if he needs to sit out a half of a game because his back flared up once in a while. Um, that's that's something I'm willing to deal with because of the physical skills and the traits that he possesses. Yeah, and I just I want to touch on J.C. Horn, the 2.0 I have on him, and the 1.8 for you is, is way lower than where he'll go to. So we are against consensus on that one. I mean, he's difficult for me because I, I could definitely see him proving me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But at the same time, I just don't see him on the level of Sertan or Farley or even uh, Greg Newsom, on tape. I know Newsom has some durability concerns that he's going to have to prove uh, differently. But for me, Horn, I think it comes down to just how grabby he is. I think that it's it's yeah, you can coach it out of him, but he's going to almost have to relearn how to play man coverage because it's for I a lot of a lot of of college cornerbacks have the issue of just grabbing onto receivers too much and that that'll draw draw flags in the NFL. But I think Horn just does it on almost every rep, and it's he's I mean you're gonna yeah you will have to reteach him how to cover without doing that, and he's got really good uh, physical and athletic traits, so he definitely could his potential and be a really good um man cover a corner but because you gotta you gotta overhaul the the, the technique and in, in man coverage i have that 2.0 on him yeah and I, i'm a little bit higher because because of his um physical traits i think there that he he has the ability to um rehaul his man coverage but i agree with you like like you said he's he's way too grabby um for where he is right now that definitely needs to be changed i think you know, his first and second years in the league might be a shock to a lot of people because either one, he's going to get a ton of flags or two, he's not going to get a lot of flags, but he's going to blow a lot of coverages as he relearns how to play um, man. But I, I think he does really show a good ability in man coverage to to stay with guys and um, mirror, mirror wide receivers. But he's definitely a guy that we have a lot lower than it looks like he's going to go. He'll probably be a top 15 pick. Um, in the on on Thursday, so I, I don't really think there's anyone else that we need to touch on. Well, yeah, Kelvin, Kelvin Joseph. I, Kelvin Joseph was a guy that I had a first round grade on, and then we found out that he is reportedly take this with a grain of salt off twenty boards for character concerns. Has won the one uh, former NFL scouts like infamous award for worst character in the draft class for just not wanting to to work hard, not wanting to really be a team player, got pushed out the door of an L- at LSU despite how talented he is because he just kind of quit on the team and got a suspension in the bowl game for violation of team rules. Then uh, only stayed one season at Kentucky. Obviously, he had the talent to come out, but who knows what was going on behind the scenes there. So he's a guy I would take a flyer on towards the end of round three because I just think he's got incredible uh, size and athleticism and length to, to be a good man coverage corner, but he's he's got to fix that the, the attitude he he has, and that that's why you if you look at my scouting report, I originally had a one point eight on him, and now you're seeing a three point six. If if you are confused, yeah, I think on film he has first round uh, talent, and 
I, I also had a, a first a late first round grade on him as well. Um, but the, the character issues were just too big of a concern for me. Um, I think people said, or what from what we read, um, there were things that talked about he didn't really care about football. Um, he had he was more passionate about creating a music career um, than a football career. So again, take that with a grain of salt, but he did get kicked off the LSU football team when, and transferred to Kentucky. Um, but it, it seems like he'll go, you know, well, I, I don't, I don't want to give miss. I don't want to give misinformation. He was not kicked off the LSU team unless I'm mistaken. He, he was suspended from the bowl game and then, and then he transferred out. So yeah, he could have been pushed out of the door, but he, he, I, he did not get officially kicked out. Yeah, you're right. But I think we can kind of, assu- yeah. you know, I don't want to assume anything, but you know, he was suspended from the bowl game and then he left. So take that. As, as you would like. Exactly. Um, I think we can move on to, to the safeties now. Yeah. So the safeties last position um, and right at the top, I think the safety position is the only um, position out of all the ones that we ranked where we differ at the top guy. Um, so I have Mo Rig as my number one safety and you have Richie Grant. So maybe if you want to touch on why you have a 2.0 on Richie Grant. Yeah. Cause I mean, we can debate, which which one is better? At the end of the day, we actually have the same exact grade on Morig, so we we share the same opinion on him, and that he's a really extremely athletic, fast, really good in man coverage, which is so valuable for for a safety and great ball skills too. Uh, you just you would like him to be more uh, of an enforcer in the run game. Just he he's I don't think he's ever going to be really an uh, an elite run defender, and also the tackling inconsistencies need to be cleaned up and. I just I value well-rounded players at any position. I just think Rishi Grant is is a really well-rounded player, and he might not really be special in any area, but he he has the the athleticism and the ball skills to to be good in in coverage. He's got really good uh, physicality, tackling in the, in the run game, and then at the Senior Bowl, he showed up and he was one of the best players in attendance of, of everyone there. So for, I I just think he's a super safe prospect who's, who can excel in any phase of the game and. Maybe Morig does end up being the better prospect if he fixes the the, the tackling uh, slight tackling issues he has, but I just think Grant is so well rounded. Yeah, so I think for me, why I have Morig as my safety one, like you said, we have the same grade on him, but we do highly um, value tackling and safeties, and Morig does struggle with that at times, but he he flashes the potential as a tackler. There are plays where he you know he makes the tackles. I mean, he wraps guys up and takes them down right away. So it's not the the fact that he can't tackle. Um, it's just that he doesn't do it every play. There are times where he just completely whiffs. Um, so he just needs to get more consistent with his tackling. But I think, you know, his his speed, his athleticism are really good, exactly what you want from a safety position. Um, and then I, I also think that uh, he displays a great a great mind. Um, I think he, he diagnoses – Routes and the run game really, really well. So I think for me, if his tackling was all shored up, he'd probably have a, a first round grade. Um, but it's it is that um, that tackling issue that we both have as a concern for me that that gives him the two point two. Um, for Richie Grant, I, I think that I, I kind of saw the same thing that you saw. I just think for me the the ceiling's a little bit uh, lower than yeah. it is, than it is for you. Um, so I feel like if I repeat, I'm going to end up repeating most of the stuff you said. I just think Morick has a higher ceiling than Grant does. Um, and I thought that, you know, Grant's, Grant's talents kind of 
in my opinion, at least gave him uh, 2.3. Yeah, I think we we analyze the two players completely the same. It, it's just about how you hash out what you see and 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 what what you value in terms of of ceiling and and well roundedness and, and all that. And I mean, unless there's something else you want to say, I think we can wrap this up. Yeah, um, I I think you know that kind of was our whole top twelve at each position. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to see our full positional rankings, go check it out on our Instagram page, Bold Take Scouting. Um, it's right, right up there. Wait, there, got yep. it. <laughs> um, and then also tomorrow we'll be posting our uh, big boards. Um, so be sure to look out for that. That'll be t- our top 150 players. And the last point that I want to end this podcast on, since we were we're talking about um all our positional rankings on all, all our grades. Obviously, like there were players that we disagreed on. With, with what we saw on film, with Monty Rice especially. Um, but even with grades, even if you end up seeing the exact same thing on film, it comes down to interpretation, like you said yep. um, a minute ago. And I, I think that's something that you really have to take into account um, when you're discussing your your evaluations with other scouts. I think, you know, you can see the exact same thing, but depending on what traits you value more and how you see that, game their game translating to the nfl can determine you know what grade you have on a player yeah i totally agree and just stay tuned for everything that's to come this week we've got we've got the big boards tomorrow we've got the uh a nice rumor mill for you to finalize your mock drafts with on wednesday and on sunday and on thursday uh we'll we'll be each releasing a seven round mock draft really excited about that it's currently under construction so stay tuned. It's gonna it's an exciting week in the NFL world and at Bolt Take Scouting as the draft approaches with the first round on Thursday night. Thanks for watching, guys. And the last thing I just want to say, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would encourage you um, to to watch it on our YouTube channel instead, um, if you if you can, because well, too late now. <laughs> a little too late now. Well, but in the future, oh, yeah. um, because, you know, we'll be putting up our big boards, our rankings and stuff like that. And obviously that's something visual and you're only going to be able to see that on YouTube. Um, but regardless of where you wa- um, watch it or listen to it, thanks for tuning in. Um, and we'll be back after the draft for our draft grades and analysis of what seems like is going to be a crazy end of the draft season. Yep.